a diagnosis, something that we spend years and years searching for. And then when we get it, we feel like we got an answer. But did we really? Did your diagnosis answer the question, why? If it didn't, you're in the right place. I'm going to teach you the why behind your health struggles right here on the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. Trauma is something that everybody deals with. Whether you want to admit it or not, you've had trauma in your life. End of story. That's it. And trauma can affect our health. Um, on with the on the call with us today, we have Brandy. This is our second call together, and I loved it because the first one was the rock and roll too. Um, so Brandy is going to walk us through how her life has changed with trauma and how she helps her clients. She's a coach overcome the trauma in their life so that they can have a better life. So Brandy, welcome. Thank you so I'm, much. I'm so glad to have you for a second time. I know so you are. Uh, heading up in the world, and you have some secrets to announce later on in the story, later on, but not today. So, probably congratulations on that, and then Thank congratulations you. on just being you, because that's why you are where you are today. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you. This is uh, such an amazing space to be able to connect with people all over the world and um, share that resilience, right? It's it's absolutely incredible. So I'm thankful for this platform and for you uh, inviting me to be a part of this for a second time. <laughs> right. Now I see a lot of uh, medals in your background. Tell us where those <laughs> medals came from. Um, so I'm actually a Spartan athlete. I've been doing Spartan for about three years now. Um, huge part of my journey and really a lot of my perseverance. It's something that's helped me not only understand, but procure my tenacity and my grit. It's something that became a metaphor for the life that I've kind of lived, overcoming obstacles and being able to face my fears and show up anyways and finish what I start. And to do the things that either I've had self-doubt or others have doubted me in. And it's, it's absolutely incredible to be an athlete in the space because I'm able to show people that athletes come in all different walks of life and that you can truly, truly do anything for yourself when you show up anyways. So uh, something I absolutely love. I've got, uh, you won't see all the trifectas here, but I've got six trifectas, which a trifecta is when you complete 30 miles within one calendar year. So last year I did um, three trifectas, or excuse me, two trifectas. This year I did three trifectas. I did two of my trifectas virtually. And so that's a 5K, 10K, and a half marathon in, in, uh, in a collective space. So what that teaches you is to really push yourself further and to really lean into the endurance of grit. Um, so it's, it's absolutely incredible. I love my athleticism, but there's so much more to what I do. And it's definitely a big piece of my story. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm mainly a self-love and confidence coach. And it took the self-love for me to show up for myself in all of these areas. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that had like a, a big group of people waiting for me at the finish line. I had my husband <laughs> and it was, that was it most of the time. You can say husband now. <laughs> I know. Yes. He's absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, my absolute 
uh, best friend. I couldn't ask for a better partner. <laughs> He's absolutely incredible. So that's why you're married. Yes. <laughs> I have heard people say that you can only be as successful as your husband or partner will, will allow you to be. Yeah. And he has stood behind everything 150%. Anytime that I wanted something for myself, he was the person that's like, you got this, babe. He never doubted me um, as an athlete in the space with uh, obstacle course racing or any of that. He's he's always, always uh, been my biggest supporter and um, he supports me when I have wild dreams. <laughs> So it's been absolutely incredible um, being being with my best friend. <laughs> oh, Brandy, if somebody was not with their best friend, friend, if they're stuck in an ugly, traumatic relationship, what would you say to them? You know, um, I am somebody who has gotten out of domestic violence and I went through that for several years. So if you're listening to this and you find yourself questioning what happiness truly looks like, my advice to you is that you should be able to be your authentic self without having to change or shift or walk on eggshells. You don't have to listen to somebody who forcefully tells you that they love you because it's not loving. And if you feel like you want to leave, then you should leave because just because you've been conditioned to say that this is just how it is, it does not mean that you have to tolerate the behavior. And it's the space that when I decided to get out of the abuse, it took many different steps. So I recognize that it's not just a, okay, I'm leaving. Um, I was in a situation where, you know, cops were involved, restraining orders were involved. It was a violent situation. He stalked me. There was lots of situations that I could share all day, but the elements are that you deserve true unconditional love in your life to be nurtured. And if you're not being nurtured, it is not loving if somebody causes you to doubt yourself. And that's where if you're doubting yourself in your relationship, then either there needs to be open more communication where you're communicating what you need. And if that person is violent towards you, manipulative towards you, abusive towards you, you got to allow yourself the grace to exit. It doesn't harm your loyalty or your integrity to self-preserve. And to self-preserve sometimes looks like allowing yourself to change everything. If you thrive in chaos, it might as well be the chaos of self-preservation. It might as well be the chaos of self-love and self-care. And self-care looks like showing up for yourself and trusting yourself to make the decision to leave. My entire life changed when I chose to leave my abusive situation. And it's one of those spaces that I don't talk about often. <laughs> but when I say that true love exists, it absolutely does. And I am proof of that. <laughs> Sam took me for who I am 150%. That man has never put his hands on me. He has never harmed me. He is somebody who loved me to self-love. And I'm, I am somebody who will say that exists. He stuck by me when I was having massive panic attacks and depressive episodes. And um, he nurtured me 
and showed up for me in ways that no one else had. And when you've been through a lot of trauma, when you get in abusive relationships, it's comfortable because you're somebody who is comfortable with suffering. And so my advice to you is that you're allowed to stop suffering. You're allowed to choose to stop suffering. And change by choice is a massive, massive piece that you can empower yourself in, knowing that life gets better, you get better, love gets better, joy gets better when you choose change by choice. So if you're somebody who's stuck or feels stuck, you have to make the choice to shift your life in the self-love, in the self-preservation. No one can give you what you can give yourself. And you don't need to chase the validity of somebody else's approval. You need to show up for yourself and fight for yourself, not in the defense of arguing, in the self-preservation of, I don't have to tolerate this toxicity. I don't have to tolerate this behavior or this person or that person. You're allowed to set the boundaries. And boundaries are leaving. <laughs> sometimes yes. I know. So I know my family has gone through in the last couple months um, a ugly scenario with I mean, within a marriage, and I yeah. know my my brother has been a completely different person once he had the courage to yeah. say no. This is not how I need to yeah. live my life, and he got him into yeah. a safe environment, and he got his kids into a safe environment. But yeah. yeah, he's completely different. It's like, oh my gosh, my brother's back. The transition's just been hard and it's going to be hard and it's going to be ugly for the next year. Yeah. And men are not exempt from domestic violence. And that's what a lot of people don't talk about this, that men also go through abuse and good on your brother for saying, this isn't safe for me. This is not safe for my kids. And for him to make the decision to separate himself, separate the kids and preserve. It's not easy because you really try to love that person or show that person how much you care, but they are physically and emotionally unable to see the care that's in front of them because of their own unresolved trauma and the projections that they place on the person who's being abused. So it's definitely a space that a lot of people don't talk about men going through this and they absolutely do. Um, And so it's good that he's been able to take that step in his life. That's where the recovery happens, you know? Right. And I love the fact that you said it it stems from unresolved trauma because it is definitely unresolved trauma. And she's of the mindset that I don't need to change. I'm not going to change. And that's yeah, not she, the issue. Right. It's in the narcissism of, of her life. Yeah. That's right. a tough space. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to trauma, um, can trauma affect our health? Oh, absolutely. 150%. Yes. <laughs> yes. When I started this, um, if you would have asked me like five, seven years ago, if I would be treating the emotional side of our health along with the physical, I would have laughed in your face. But we have yeah. to have the emotional treatment as well as the physical, because okay. if we only do physical, we're only going to get so far. Our Absolutely. bodies are emotional. We are energetic. And if we don't help clear out this trauma that we live in, because we're humans and we yes. live in 21st century America, heck, it's election day today. I mean, I know. It's a high, high stress day, day today. today. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Just, and I actually ignore the news. We don't need to watch yeah. it. You can get up, you know, at midnight tonight or, you know, in three weeks when it actually comes to pass, you know, who, who knows? Just right. go Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The best thing is to live through just kind of the grit right now. And, um, it's, it's challenging when we have to just kind of take things day by day, moment by moment. But to your point that trauma does affect the health, it absolutely does. Um, and in many, many different ways. If you look up symptoms of anxiety, symptoms of depression, PTSD, these are kind of the three main things that strike people who go through trauma. And when you're looking at these pieces, it not only affects your health in regards to how your body responds to the trauma, because what happens with stress, and you can you can um, attest to this, is that our body releases cortisol, and cortisol acts as a toxin to the body, and the body gets inflamed trying to reduce the cortisol. So notice now I'm speaking mostly to women in this, but men will also deal with this as well. Stay away from your scale when you are this, like there's no, the the thing with the scale is that most women, they'll be like, I, they're they're starting a new diet. I, I, I will always combat diet culture, but it's this space where they'll jump on a scale and say, oh my gosh, I gained five pounds this week. My question to you in that would be, what's going on this week? Was something happening in your relationship, something happening at work? Did something happen in your family? Your body is responsive to the inflammation of stress. It will it will inflame with additional fluid to reduce the cortisol in the body, correct? And yes. it's that space that we don't understand. And when we're when we're looking at a scale and saying, oh no, it's like we don't even think about the stress because we've been so conditioned to say, I've got it. Here's a space right now. We are in the middle of a pandemic. We've had multiple natural disasters. We're in an election year. We've had people losing their jobs. Their families are displaced. Kids are out of school. Do you hear the stacking, just the anxiety rising, talking about just this year? And it is that space that the entire world has been taught to just try to continue moving forward like nothing's going on. Everybody keeps saying, I can't wait till it gets back to normal. This is what trauma looks like. This is a year that is riddled with trauma. But because we've all been conditioned to just move on and move forward, people are out of tune with how this is affecting their bodies. And The suicide rates are up, and I know that's a triggering topic, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. It is because people are not effectively able to cope with what is happening to their bodies. They're not sleeping. They're not eating correctly. They're overworked, overstressed, trying to figure out how they're going to make ends meet, make it work for their kids. Do you hear the stress just talking about what is going on in this world? How is that affecting your health? Are you sleeping less? Are you ruminating? Now, what ruminating is, is when you're cycling through the same thoughts, questioning, trying to check boxes, trying to problem solve. Rumination is a symptom of anxiety. Now, people who've never had anxiety before, or maybe they have and didn't notice it until now, there are many ways that you can self-care to take care of your health. But we're also adding to this pot here with the election just so happening to start in the sad seasons, sad is seasonal depression. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody who's ever suffered with seasonal depression, so the winter um, blues, the winter blues. Yes. That's another term for it as well. Seasons change. The sun goes down more. It's darker. So people start to get 
without recognizing they get this heaviness. Also because of holidays. Holidays trigger a lot of family trauma. Okay. So there's a lot of couple different things we're going to be talking about today because trauma comes from a lot of different areas, but I did not want to ignore the fact that if you are somebody who is stoically feeling okay during this time, you've had childhood trauma. Okay. And that is a space that you're in the year 2020 and you're like, why does it feel oddly calm? Why do you feel oddly calm? Is because you've dealt with trauma before. So while the rest of the world seems like it's on fire and everyone's freaking out and you're oddly calm, it's because you've had childhood trauma or trauma in your adult life. And it's that space where you go into protective mode. The body just waits it out right? Now that response in the body is different for so many people. Maybe you've put on the five pounds. Maybe you are sleeping less. And this sounds redundant because these are symptoms of stress and and a trauma response, right? Some of us shut down and we just like, we might sleep more. We might sleep less. We might list a lot. We might overwork. Whatever that looks like to you, question where these coping skills came from, right? Because our coping skills are taught, but they can absolutely be relearned. So anyways, that's just, I get so passionate and I start like unloading that. That's why you're back because you're passionate. We got to have passionate people around us. You know, yes. Well, when it comes to trauma, this is something that I have had to overcome in my life. So when it came to 2020 as a year that I really showed up as hard as I could as a coach and a mentor in regards to the space of healing. Because some people that are being struck with a year like this have never been through something difficult in their life before. And that's okay. If you are somebody who did not have childhood trauma, this doesn't mean that we're a part of some cool club because we did, okay? We never wish childhood trauma on anyone. It's that space that if you have the friend that's like, I'm here for you and they're oddly calm, just know that that friend is the person that's going to help you through the hardest time in your life right now, okay? So, so it's okay to be in a space where you're like, what do I do? That's why we're talking today because we're going to be able to share with you what you can do to reduce the stress. And I've had people say like, wait a second, you're telling me that my past, my childhood is actually affecting why my chronic fatigue syndrome? Absolutely. Or, yes. Yeah. Well, is that why nobody can diagnose me? Because I just have all these symptoms, but they don't fall underneath an umbrella because I've been through all this ugly stuff yeah. in my past. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. The first thing that I do with my clients is them in a seat of self-awareness. And I put, I help them understand what their strengths are. And then we talk about their life story and why it's important to understand their life story is so that they can truly pinpoint the areas of their life that affected their response and success. Because how we respond to be successful or unsuccessful is has everything to do with the trauma response. So once I'm able to help a person understand what it was in their life. Now, here's another piece. There are adult children that are still under the control of a narcissistic parent. And, and this could be somebody in their 30s, 40s, you know, 50s, if their parents are still alive, listening to the codependency of what a parent's opinion is on their life. 
And sometimes that is the trauma. You may not have experienced a death or a loss or some massive event, but you've had a narcissistic parent who has controlled every move you make in the agenda of their agenda, where you lost your own voice, your own opinion. And it's that space that a lot of empaths deal with because they're so used to walking on eggshells. Similar to your your brother and his partner who he had to deal with her narcissism where he probably didn't have a voice anymore, where you said, I got my brother back, meant that he lost himself to appeasing her narcissism. That is trauma. People don't talk about this. Preach, girl, preach. No, it's true. People don't talk about narcissism and how that affects the individual. I've gone through massive amounts of therapy. So for me to speak on this is because I am (laughs) trauma-informed. Because I was raised by a narcissistic mother, okay? My mother was a narcissist, and when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, it added fuel to her fire. My mother was a person who would cut people out of her life like that. She literally disowned me for an entire year and then gaslit me like it never happened. I had my gallbladder removed when I was 15 years old, 15 But you know, as a doctor, 15 is way too young to have your gallbladder removed. You know why I had my gallbladder removed was because I had very, very small gallstones, but my mom took me to three, four different doctors because they were all saying that I was having symptoms of stress from the trauma that I was facing. And my mother was putting me through too much stress and my mom, she could not take that as the narcissist, she could not take that she was the cause of me getting sick every night because my anxiety was rising every night. And I'd get sick and I'd throw up and I'd go like crying to my mom. She'd tell me I was being overdramatic. I said, please, please take me to the doctor. Something is wrong. And the first doctor, which was the doctor that delivered me, my mom embarrassed me in that office was screaming at the doctor like you are so like like cursing at her telling her she was wrong she's getting a second opinion we go get the second opinion same thing the doctor because they take your parent out of the room and they ask you all the questions of of stress what's going on in your life tell me you know and so they say you know i suggest therapy this this girl's going under a lot of stress now here i was 13 14 those 3 years 15 years old by the time i was 15 my mom was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer I lost my dad at 13. My mom came out that she was gay. We were adjusting in a time where this was not accepted by society. Um, My mom would abandon us and leave for weeks at a time. So I stepped into this role of sister mom. I was constantly stressed when my mom was around because she was a short fuse. This was somebody who could scream and yell at you. She would throw her partner's stuff out in the front yard. She was a very, very grenade type person. So when I go to the doctor and the doctor's asking me, you know, what's your daily life look like? And I'm telling them this and they bring my mom in and say, you know, she's experiencing a lot of stress. And in that my mom was like unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable. So she she didn't want to accept the responsibility. No, absolutely not. No. When CPS was called on our family, my mom flipped out on me and was like, who did you tell that I was gone? You must've told somebody. And it was like, I, you know, it was that space where 
my sister was very combative with my mom, very much like would try to put my mom in her place, like don't talk to us like this. And my mom's response to that was to treat my sister like the problem child, which is absolutely unacceptable. And so it was that space that I was the one that was walking on eggshells all the time. And when I had my gallbladder removed, my mom literally took us camping that weekend because she couldn't miss her Memorial Day weekend camping trip. So I was in a RV, like sweating. It was so horrible. I was in so much pain. And everyone's like, you guys need to go home. And my mom's like, no, it's fine. Like literally. And, and here's the spin, guys. Okay. My family lived in a very nice area. I live in California. I grew up in a town, it's a little town, but little big town. If you're from the area, I grew up in Roseville. It's near Sacramento. Very nice suburban area, okay? We had a Class A RV in the driveway, a Corvette in our garage, a Mastercraft boat. My mom and her partner were traveling on these massive trips all the time. So that was hid behind this showboat curtain, which narcissists often do. They have showboat type lives. They live to Jacqueline Hyde. And so everyone always gaslit the situation. My mom conditioned us to say, if anyone asks where I am, you tell them that I'm at the shop or I'm at here there were these scenarios that she gave us and said, you know, you got to call me right away and I will talk to that person on the phone. Well, PTSD whispers when my mom would leave for Reno, you know, a week at a time. And she was supposed to come home on a Sunday and wouldn't come home. And I'd come home to notes on the counter. That's like, Oh, I'll be back on Sunday. Sunday would come and go. No phone call. Monday would come. She's not home yet. We're starting to panic. Right. But I still had to get my brother and sister up for school and make sure they went to school. By the time I turned 16, I was working. I got, I'll never forget this. I got my license and my job on the same day. (laughs) And I was so excited. And I worked at a gym. So I was uh, in the kids club and I loved it. I worked with my best friend. Like it was like my getaway, right? My best friend, whom I'm still best friends with to this day, her mother was very much like, like a foster mom to me. Okay. Like I could go to her house. I stayed at her house three, four days a week. Like her mom never treated me like I came from a tough situation. She always treated me like one of her own to this day. (laughs) And it's that space where now my husband's met both of my siblings and I love my siblings, but they very much are just different than me. And it's that space where he met my best friend's family and was like, oh my gosh, this is your family. I say, yeah, well, they've been there for me since I was 15 years old. (laughs) So it's that space. Trauma is hidden sometimes. We weren't ever allowed to like talk about my dad, like growing up after he passed. My dad was in a, a car accident. Okay. So at 13, My dad was in a car accident. My uncle was the driver. So this is a really tough thing for my family, right? My cousin moved in with us. My aunt moved in with us because my uncle was in jail and he couldn't, you know, they didn't want to leave the state. And so my cousin lived with us for an entire year. And this was a space that here we had two families living under one roof. My mother forcing that her girlfriend was going to move in with us this was a big fuel why my dad had an effort weekend with his brother-in-law. 
right? Because his wife was leaving him for a woman. And it was that space where as kids, we were in the dark, okay? I seemingly had a normal childhood until about 10 years old. That's when it started to shift. I grew up with both my parents. We lived in the same house. My dad was a master tech for Ford. Absolutely incredible father. I mean, you name it, my dad was there, okay? He was the dad at the Girl Scouts meetings, okay? Like, he was that dad. So losing my father was the first, like, traumatic change. But when I tuned into therapy, I understood there were other elements that were happening prior to my father's loss. My parents would fight a lot. My, my mother was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. But my dad was very much a functioning alcoholic, somebody who was very, very smart man, always had a project going on, should have been an engineer, right? And it was that space where when he was in his accident, there was so much response, like all of my dad's friends coming out. And I couldn't understand why my mother was cutting out these lifelong friendships we'd had with families, like families that we grew up with. Like the kids are the same age, right? Like we had these groups that were, yeah, the, the group friends that we all grew up together. We all went camping together every summer, every weekend, barbecues, birthday parties, you name it. After my dad died, these families started getting cut out. And so what I realized going through the therapeutic space was that my mother being the narcissist that she was, my dad's friends started saying, Rhonda, what are you doing? You can't just do this to your kids. Like take a break. You know, you can't just shove them into this new life and make them accept that you're in a same sex marriage and like our our relationship and all this stuff. And my mom was like, F you get out of my life. Don't tell me how to live. And so she cut all these people out. So not only did we lose our dad, we were losing our social circle. And then we were living in a space where our mother was like, this is just how it is. And she would literally leave. Like I said, notes on the counter on a Friday going to Reno. And I had to just adjust. So I got so used to tiptoeing around. I became an overachiever to hide what was going on at home. I would show up extra in class. Younger, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. So reading and writing was really tough for me, all these spaces. But school was something that I loved because I could shine in my academics. But the hard space was my grades didn't meet who I was because test taking was an anxiety space for me. Why? Because I had a narcissistic parent. So anytime I took a a test, I was so overwhelmed in the test taking that if I fail this test, my mom's going to reject me. Okay. Trauma is riddled with rejection. All right. So you could have been rejected by a parent, by friendships, by all the spaces that you cared about. Okay. So when we're talking about trauma, it's not just somebody was in a massive, you know, car accident or something happened to them. Trauma can be conditioned from young age through, okay? And it's that space that people don't talk about because they've been gaslit so much to say, this is just how it is. Oh, that's my mom. That's my dad. That's my grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whoever was the influence in your life. What did that look like for you? What were you doing to simply be in survival mode? 
Okay. I've been obese majority of my life. Okay. I am in an obese category right now. I'm the healthiest I've ever been in regards to one, I'm sober. Okay. I, I didn't talk about this, but I've been sober for almost two years now, sober from alcohol, everything completely straight edge. Okay. But there's the element of being an athlete. This is where my body's happy. Okay. I was, I've been as low as 130 pounds and looked sick, looked malnourished because I was. Now, going into the obesity was also a coping mechanism. So if you are someone who's dealt with trauma, you have most likely dealt with an eating disorder as well. Now, eating disorders could look like uh, binging, purging, anorexia, um, obesity. Um, You know, these spaces are controlled spaces. So let's talk about weight for a second because as a doctor, I, I will never market weight loss. You will never see me market. I love that. I love that. One, the scales, if you go to the scale to determine your worth, that's a problem right there. Absolutely. You have to love yourself before you, like I've never stepped on the scale I, the only time I step on a scale is if when I'm pregnant and they make you get, get on the scale. Right, right, right. right. Um, the other factor is I read this book called The Gabriel Method. And it's about a man named John Gabriel. And he tells his story. He was like over 400 pounds, um, tried every diet under the sun, talked to Dr. Atkins himself yeah. in regards to how do I lose weight. And then he realized during his own journey that his weight he was wearing was a protection, was a shield from yeah. toxic co-workers. Absolutely. It's a manifestation of the stress. It's, a, it's the manifestation of what we emotionally carry. And I have felt the happiest, the most healthy. I'm, I, I push myself as an athlete. Y'all, I'm over 200 pounds. I'm okay with that. I'm more than a number on the scale. The healing that has taken place and where my body leveled in its happiness is what matters. I don't look at food as a space to judge myself. I don't look at the scale as a space of validity. And that's what's been really challenging is that a lot of people were taught and conditioned that the scale holds validity. That if you met a number, checked a box, that you were reaching out to be validated by whomever said, this is the the mark you got to meet. And that's absolutely incorrect. And you know, as a doctor, we could all be the same, like same diet, same exercise. Our bodies will still respond and look differently. And that's something that people do not talk about. They think, oh, well, I want to look like this person. How tall is that person? What does that person's routine look like? What's their bone structure? What is their their genetics around muscle mass? Like, you can't look like somebody. You can only look like you. I have a sister. My sister and I, we look nothing alike. We don't have the same structure. Our faces don't look the same. Our bodies don't look the same. My hips are wider. I'm built more voluptuous than my sister. She's built more thin and that's okay. But my mother would compare us all the time and say, why can't you just be like your sister? One, I don't want to be like my sister. She's her own person. And my sister didn't want to be like me. I'm my own person. We have two completely different styles. But yet there's this comparison that goes on. And this happens to siblings all the time. There's more than just comparison between siblings. Like you flip through Facebook 
oh man, yeah. like why can't I be like her? Or I've oh, been absolutely. well, it's easy to fake it for two hours a week, just putting on a facade that right you know, in a social event in a social atmosphere, I am this person when I'm really fighting on the inside. Who right, I'm inside. Do I love myself? Like, am I okay? Yeah. And, and I was even going. I'm, yeah, going shopping, which I hardly ever do, but I was getting getting close for my birthday, and I realized, you know, our bodies go through these transitions in life. And absolutely, school, absolutely, like, especially after children as well. Yeah, and then, well, and I was going to lead to that. So I was like 120 pounds, you know, volleyball. I go to college. I can put muscle mass on like nobody's business. It was so easy for me. So yeah. in college, I was wearing like size 13 pants and women's just to get them around my freaking thighs. Yeah, your quads were very strong from being a volleyball player. That's a lot of squatting. <laughs> so then I go and I run a Ragnar, which is similar to, um, what, I just left my mind, your events. Like Spartan. Spartan. Ragnar is very similar to Spartan. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like wrecking and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Lost, lost the muscle. So now I'm down to like wearing size four or five. Then you get pregnant and then your body shifts. And I like these tighter yeah. clothes. That's my style. I like to show off, you know, I got a yeah. skinny belly and yeah. that's not the way it is I, anymore. And so I'm buying like these button up shirts. They're my mommy clothes, but I'm okay. That's with fine. And that's the, the most important thing that people have to hear is confidence doesn't come from the way you look. Okay. Confidence comes from how you feel. Joy is what drives confidence. What does joy look like? Joy looks like living in your authenticity, being able to, to dress the way you love and do the things you love without apologizing or compromising yourself. People are so tired of making their self uncomfortable just to make other people comfortable to reject them. Okay. This is the space that confidence doesn't come from chasing after unfair expectations. Confidence comes from seeding in self-acceptance and recognizing that self-respect is self-acceptance. And self-respect looks like wearing what you love, doing what you love, not listening to other people's insecurity projections. They're not for you to absorb. Being then rejected because of someone else's insecurity is simply not for you to absorb. And it's that space that a lot of people get trapped in thinking, well, I have to meet this person's approval. No, you don't. You need, to, you need to step into the space that says, I wear what I love. I've had a child. I'm an athlete. My body changes every season. I'm somebody who loves to go hiking. I'm somebody who loves to go swimming. Whatever it is to you, let your camaraderie spaces be the spaces that bring you joy because your body's going to follow the joy regardless, okay? When I'm in season and if race season wasn't canceled this year, I'd be a hell of a lot leaner than I am right now. But we're not talking about being skinny. We're talking about what that looks like to get ready for races and condition and do what I love in my camaraderie space. People, listen up. Your gym's closed. If it's not, then you're limited, And here's the space. People are not realizing that the space that they went to for camaraderie may very well be closed right now. So their body is responding to the loss of camaraderie. Okay, another trauma response. Our body responds to camaraderie. We need camaraderie to be able to condition our our bodies and our minds. It's part of self-care. 
and people who've gone through trauma, and here's a space, sometimes you get stuck in pseudo camaraderie where other hurting people are, and you are able to hurt freely, but you're not healing. Okay. And that can be in spaces where you might be partying too much with your friends, gathering on the weekends and drinking together and just talking about the stuff that hurts once you get drunk enough. And then the next day you're like feeling hard. It's tough, right? But that's not a camaraderie space. A camaraderie space is where you can self-improve together. It's a, you know, a, a one example there's, you know, Facebook groups for everything nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There are Facebook groups where, oh, I have depression. And so they all just go into this group and they just complain about their life. That's not, it's it's not a camaraderie space. Yeah. It's a dumping ground, not a, not a camaraderie space. And and infertility groups and chronic fatigue, like, or just chronically ill people, like people tell me, well, I joined this Facebook group. So, and they're all chronically ill like me. I'm like, great. That's fantastic. But you're not going to heal. It's going to harm you more. Yeah, it's going to harm you more being in spaces like, like for instance, I had to remove myself from trauma recovery groups because they were too triggering. I would get, you know, triggered by transference. Somebody would share a story of what they went through. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, why did that have to bring up an old memory for me that I shoved down and didn't, you know, cope with? So I removed myself from the space. Now I'm in camaraderie spaces like Spartan Women, Spartan Women Strong, Spartan West Coast. I've not gone through AA, but some people prefer that space, but I'm part of Sober Spartans. Now, why that was a better camaraderie space for me was because Spartans are people who choose resilience, choose to face the hard. It's a different mindset. So I was able to connect differently with that in my sobriety than I was to go to an AA space, right? And so I'm not putting down AA by any means. That's a a program for those who, who can absolutely get on track. But camaraderie is not where you go and trauma bond with somebody, okay? Camaraderie is where you go and you say, this is how I persevere together. This is how I choose resilience in my life. This is how I bond with the resilience of someone else or the creativity of someone else, right? It's that space. People... I don't care if you're an adult or not. You want to play an instrument. You want to play a sport. You want There is some place for you. But you need to find the space that is a camaraderie space to self-improve. I didn't collect 27 medals because I wanted medals on my wall. This is a camaraderie space for me. I race alone, but I meet people along the way. And I've, I've grown some of my most cherished friendships on that course and in those groups. Because the camaraderie space is built on resilience and perseverance. So whatever that space that you feel ignited in, that's where you need to be. You need to be in the space that you feel ignited in. Sorry, my daughter's in the background there. It's that space that when you are ignited in something, that's where the healing takes place. Okay. Trauma does not have to be your story. It can be a space of your life that you survived. Like we started when we talked about domestic violence and we talked about going through childhood trauma. This is part of my story. It is not who I am. Okay. Who I am is somebody 
who continued to move forward. Lead with kindness. I chose positive intent. I chose resilience. I chose perseverance. Change by choice. I was the generational growth, and so can you. You do not have to emulate the past. You do not have to be the person who does what your family does. Be the generational growth and connect with people who live in the ignited spaces that you thrive in. That's where your resilience lives. That's where your perseverance and joy and healing lives, is doing the things that make you, you. And and for me, it was why I was so drawn to a space like obstacle course racing was because it connected me with myself where I was stopped as a kid. I was a kid who went camping all the time, hiking, mountain, like, like we did all sorts of stuff as kids. Okay. I was, I wakeboarded, I motor, like motorcycles, like go-karting, all the things that were outdoor individual sports. Oh, we did as a family. When my dad died, all of that slowed, stopped. It wasn't about family anymore. I feel most connected to myself when I am on a trail and I am connecting with the elements. So when it comes to who's Brandy now, Brandy is somebody who shows up for others, always has been, but it was where I was putting myself down more to put other people up. Now I help people without compromise to myself. And you can do that. If you are somebody who is the helping heart the one that shows up, the problem solver, the critical thinker, you can help people without compromising yourself. You can help people and still set boundaries. You can help people and still say, no, I won't do that. Okay. It's okay. It's a space you have to thrive in. And and what I mean by that is that it's okay for you to show up for yourself, trust yourself to make decisions for yourself. because. A lot of people I've worked with can be extremely successful. People who have their own businesses, do their own things, but they're still codependent on somebody else's opinion on their decisions. The one thing I coach the most is to trust yourself. Trust yourself in your own decisions because you are a problem solver and you do thrive in chaos, but you might as well thrive in the positive chaos of resilience. Trauma is chaotic but choose to be the person who creates positive chaos in your life. It is chaotic to heal. It is chaotic to persevere. It is chaotic to connect in new spaces with new people. But I tell you what, that will heal your life, not hurt your life. And those are spaces that you can choose for yourself, thrive for yourself rise for yourself. It is not selfish. It does not harm your integrity or your loyalty. You have to expire loyalty to the rejection of people who do not have positive intent for you because there are so many people out there that do. And it's sad when we have to learn that sometimes the person who didn't have positive intent for us was a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a sibling, a friend. And that's hard to swallow sometimes, but that's where the expiring of loyalty has to happen because you are a loyal person, but your loyalty should be placed in people and spaces that have positive intent for you. And it's okay and self-preserving 
to leave the traumatic spaces that use you, harm you, and, and deflate the glory of your success. You can absolutely grab onto the glory of your success, honor your resilience and perseverance, honor the kindness that you choose to be, honor your authenticity, and show up for yourself to persevere. That's where the resilience and the healing happens. If you knew me 10 years ago, I was somebody who was partying five days a week. I mean, I was an alcoholic, come on, you know? But I was somebody who was uh, surrounded with a lot of people but had no one. And you can see in photos how vacant I was. There's so much more joy in knowing who I am and loving who I am, honoring this person who survived domestic violence, childhood trauma, got through all the ups and downs of areas of adulthood, learning how to be a parent. All these spaces matter. Allow yourself to be the generational growth. And when you're looking and staring down at 2020, know that you get to choose to be the change that you want to see. You want to see the change. You have to be the change that you want. You cannot expect somebody to show up for you when you have to show up for you. We started talking, why was I into this sport? It's because this is where, this is unshakable proof that I show up for myself. These things cannot be bought. They're earned. And so I showed up for myself every single time. And how obstacle course racing works with Spartan is you're faced with a wall before you even start the race. And sometimes you need help to get over that wall. And it's okay if you're facing the obstacle of your life right now and you need help to get over that first wall so you can start the journey of healing and self-love, but just know that it's worth it. And there's people like me and Dr. Kylie that want you to be somebody to rise up and know that you're going to be okay, that there are tools that you can add to your toolbox. There are ways that you can recover. You're not alone and you don't have to be, and you don't have to suffer in silence. Trauma is very real. And just like we talked about today, it comes with many different hats. Do not negate your own trauma. Because when you negate your own trauma, you're denying yourself access to healing and you absolutely deserve to heal. No matter what you've been through, you deserve to heal your life. And that's the love that, that I love to share. <laughs> okay. I love you too, honey. Sorry, my husband came home from work for lunch. But yeah, it's that space that you absolutely deserve that, that in your life. Love comes from self-love. We can't, we can't even feel authentic love until we truly love ourselves, And that's the truth. We will constantly lean into hoping someone else will love and accept you. But until you love and accept yourself, it's hard to absorb someone else's authentic love. So be the person who shows up for yourself and know that, that you deserve to heal in every way possible. <laughs> I love it. Only this hits home on so many occasions. And I definitely don't have a story like yours. That's okay. In closing, if you were to say, what are the three top tips that you would give to somebody who has experienced trauma and that's everybody? Yeah. Now, in order for anybody like me or you or whoever's listening, um, what would be your top three tips here real quick? Yeah, you know, if you're living through 2020, 
y'all you're experiencing trauma. Okay. (laughs) Like, and it's the truth. Chaos has struck. All right. And so my tips to you in regards to how to stabilize chaos is one, you got to lean into your resilience. Oh, thank you, honey. When you got to lean into your resilience, you're someone who looks for solutions. Okay. And, and when you look for solutions in chaos, that's exactly why you are somebody who can take action. You got to have follow through. Okay. First thing is to lean into your resilience, have follow through in the solutions that you create. I know it can feel paralyzing. All right. I know it can feel paralyzing, but it is so pivotal that you trust yourself to persevere. Okay. Number two, it's important to be self-aware. All right. You got to be self-aware in the moment. Take inventory on the positives in your life and what you do have control over. Okay. It's okay that if you cannot control the circumstance around you, you can, you can absolutely control how you choose to respond. You know, at least one good person, one resource you can lean on. And if you don't seek it out and if you need it, ask for help because there's plenty of us that can give you the right resources and never be above your pride. Okay. You got to put your pride in your pocket. Sometimes it's okay to ask for help. You are not defeated. You are not a defeated person. You are not weak. You cannot allow yourself to feel like you're, you've got it all the time because sometimes you do need help and it's okay. So you'll be surprised on how many people are willing to help you. And I'll say this again, you got to be kind to yourself. And the last piece that's most important is that mindset is everything you got to be able to to lean into your growth mindset. You are not fixed. You can absolutely have your growth mindset. The key to a strong mindset is to know that you'll keep getting through the obstacles of change. You've always found a way and you will continue to find a way to get through these obstacles. You're not alone. You have resources right in front of you. I'm a resource. Like I said, I'm a a self-love confidence coach. I have all the tools to help you get through these layers. And you have resources like Kylie's amazing podcast where you can reference other professionals who have absolutely incredible advice for you. You can absolutely be a person who can change the way that you've been raised to live in the growth mindset that's going to carry you forward. No matter the changes that strike along the way, you can absolutely rise up and overcome the obstacles. Okay. Rhonda, you're so good. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Just, oh, change the world. <laughs> and we are. <laughs> And that's what we do one person at a time. I trust, trust this. When you choose change by choice, it doesn't just change your life. You lead by example in the changes that you choose for yourself. Never give up. Okay. There's going to be people along the way who are going to doubt your changes. Trust yourself to change anyways, because you absolutely can. And that's all that matters. <laughs> change by choice. I love it. Well, Brendan, go enjoy with your family. I'm going to go get my baby girl as well. So I know. We're <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And it's been an absolute pleasure being with you today. And I hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Brandy, where can we find more about you? Um, if you'd like to find more about me, uh, you can go to my website, h3revolution.com. I'm also on Facebook. You can find me on, um, you can find me on Dr. Kylie's profile, but uh, my name is Brandy Nelson. I'm also on Instagram as well under h3revolution. That is my coaching business. It's easy to find me that way. <laughs> awesome. All right, Thanks. ladies, go there if you need any confidence boosters whatsoever. 
that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I hope you learned as much as I learned that no matter what your history is, you can overcome it. You just need to change by choice and don't let the start stop you. I want you to also know that we have extended the pre-sale launch of the HBD membership tribe. 99 bucks a month this month ends at the end of February. So if you want to get in at that early price, come join us. DrKylieBurton.com backslash healing beyond the diagnosis. Can't wait to see you guys inside.